Hey, hi. Welcome to Someone Else's Movie, the original podcast where an actor, writer, director, or nebulous industry figure gives a little love to a movie they didn't make. I'm Norm Wilner, senior film writer for Now Magazine, and this is The Other Thing I Do. My guest for the second TIFF 2020 episode is Madeline Sims Fewer, an actor and filmmaker whose short films include The Substitute, Slap Happy, and Woman in Stall, the latter two directed with her filmmaking partner, Dusty Mancinelli. The two are bringing their first feature, the brutal and challenging Violation, to the festival on Monday, September 14th, with world premiere screenings at 9 and 9.30 p.m. at the TIFF Bell Lightbox. It'll also be available to stream across Canada at 6 p.m. on Thursday, September 17th, via Bell Digital Cinema. Madeline picked Possession, Andrzej Zielowski's 1981 psychological thriller starring Isabella Johnny and Sam Neill as a couple in West Berlin whose relationship is collapsing in on itself, partly because he's spending most of his time running around being a spy, and partly because she's going through something. He's convinced she's cheating on him, and she absolutely is, though the manner of her infidelity is rather unconventional. If you've seen the film, you'll know what I mean. If you haven't, believe me when I tell you, you have absolutely no idea what's coming. So maybe check it out before you listen to this episode. This is someone else's movie. I chose Possession because it was a film that I just stumbled across when I was looking for something to watch. You know, those nights where you're just, you want to watch a movie, but you don't know what. And I came across the trailer on YouTube and then I was like, oh, I'll just see what this is like. And I was in my bright living room in Brixton and in uh, London, when I was living in London, and I didn't turn the lights off. I was just sitting at my computer on my hardback wooden chair. And I started watching it. I thought, okay, I'll give it a go. If it's shit, I'll turn it off. Um, And then I didn't move. I watched the whole thing, just sitting at my desk chair on my computer with the lights on in the living room. But I was just so, so riveted by this film that I sat there from through the whole thing and then suddenly realized it was over. And since then I've watched it again and again and again. And it's one of my favorite movies, but yeah, it was one of those surprising movies that just grabbed me and took me for this crazy ride. Yeah. I wonder how many people stumble into it that way, just because it it isn't what it was sold as. And it still isn't even now, now that the longer cut has been, I mean, I saw it in the shorter version originally on VHS yeah. And it made no sense whatsoever. I mean, it was just, it was, I, I suppose you could argue that it still doesn't, but it's, the, it's this, it was this fascinating um, instruction for me in intention, because without the longer cut, without the domestic material and the, the quieter scenes, it really is just, I mean, it's a nightmare, but there's nothing to hold on to. Yeah. And it was, I think, 85 minutes or something. It was just, it, it, it just blew through the plot, such as it is, and made no sense at all. And then the longer version was released, and it was a revelation. It really is a different movie. And I've never seen the shorter version, but I, I can't. I can imagine it would be very shrill. Yeah, yeah. It, it's pitched it's without from those nine. quiet moments yeah. of like the domestic tumultuous kind of yeah boiling emotions yeah it's uh the film to me made profound sense and I don't know if that speaks to the state of mind that I was in at the time (laughs) but it was just like this film understands me deeply and understands um the way I felt about relationships at the time really deeply um yeah there's and the performance as well I mean every time I come back to it the most when I just watched it recently just what an 
incredible performance from both of them. And I love Sam Neill. He's one of my favorite actors. Um, but I think it's his best performance in a movie. Yeah. It's, um, I've interviewed him a few times and, and over the decades now, and there's a kindness and a calm to him that are completely at odds with, with this performance where he's sort of pretending to be in control. The character is, is projecting an illusion of control where his entire world just refuses to make sense and his his disconnect and panic and the fact that Zulowski just pushes the camera into his face to to show us every crack in that facade. It's gripping and it's unsettling even before we understand what's actually happening. Yeah. And I think I really related to him at the time too, that feeling of, I was in a relationship that was very, very slowly crumbling apart. And it was, I related to that. There was something in his performance that was like, like you said, he's trying to, so desperately to be in control and he's trying to cling to this thing and you can just see inside that he's just falling apart. It was, I love that shot in the rocking chair where he's like rocking into the frame. <laughs> yes. It's an unforgiving performance in that he really holds nothing back and, and just completely inhabits that character. But also, yeah, the way the film is shot, he has no room to move. There's no protection. The, the, and both of them, really, and Johnny, uh, even more so, really, when you get to the more intense stuff that she's required to do, they commit so fully to a kind of performance that in 1981, no one was doing that. Not in, not in any kind of mainstream genre scenario. Um, this was a period of of sort of brooding underplaying and, and it was the reaction to method, right? Everybody was taking it back a bit. And to see these two just completely go for it and in the situations that the film creates for them and in the in the milieu that Zulowski is building, it's it's one of those things where I mean it sounds it sounds like a facile insult, but it's I don't mean it that way. David Lynch dreams of this sort of intensity. He's he's restricted by his own formalism, I think, that he can't actually go for this. Yeah. And taking a domestic story and turning it, metastasizing it into the thing that it is in possession is just so daring and weird. I mean, it's 40 years old, but it, other than obviously the clothes and the attitudes and the fact that it's shot in a divided Berlin, it really, the issues are pretty contemporary. And you know, the performances are, it's so interesting because the performances are so huge, but they're, because they're so committed. And I've seen like in Climax, I think they do, the woman tries to do a similar thing. And I didn't think it was successful in the same way that Ajani is successful in, in the whole uh, miscarriage scene um, in the tunnel. But there's, you can really, there's that fine line between really fully going there and committing, which I think that Sam Neill and Ajani do, and then not quite going there or having like that little tiny tinge of self-consciousness, which just ruins it. It's hesitation, right? Like it's just, yeah, it's just that moment of, of uncertainty in the performance. Mm -hmm. It's interesting that you mentioned Climax because Noé does go for that sort of thing. He chases that kind of ecstatic panic, but I always find his films are so... They feel mechanical somehow. They yeah, feel calculated totally to, yeah. Yeah, um, to yeah, deliver like, a certain experience. There's a real quality to possession. And I think it's reflected in the camera as well, but this kind of like swirling steady cam 
where you feel like you're just going with these emotions and you're kind of flowing off the rails and then coming back and then flowing away again. It's really, it's got this really strong feeling that that's captured in the sound and the music and the performances and the camera all just working together perfectly, in my opinion. Um, I, I think so. watched it at a time when, I think it was when films like Ida were coming out where that really, really restrained, almost nothing performances were, were really popular. Mm. And I just loved the fact that it was the opposite of that. It was like, because people, I don't know, I, I feel like people do emote and people do, sh- real people do show emotions. And, and it doesn't have to be, there's a, there's a line between it being theatrical and then just being watching how real people behave. Real people aren't completely still and restrained and quiet and just eye movements and and really low gravelly speaking all the time. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if it's that contradiction of cinema versus theater, right? The the fact that the camera is so close up that mm. even if you are in a wide shot movement registers and intention registers and you can read actors faces at you know 40 feet high and so everything is magnified and actors learn to pull themselves back yeah. to cope to go inside i mean you know adam driver in marriage story versus adam driver in patterson they're both remarkable performances but they're also completely keyed to the tones of their given films and Joh- or johansson in under the skin and johansson in marriage story i mean the Marriage Story is just a great example of people acting naturalistically, which also reads as histrionic because we, the audience, are uncomfortable with that kind of yeah. feeling. I, I've never seen Possession in a theater, but I wish I had because I would love to find out how the crowd reacts, you know, if the if it waves through them or if it just gets rejected and how individuals respond to this sort of pain mm-hmm. that we're seeing and, and the torment, the emotional torment of people who are losing each other to something they can't understand, which, you know as metaphors go, it's, it's pretty solid. And I love that the, um, theme in it, or I love this idea. I think when I first watched it, I really, really related to Sam Neill. And then now after, just because of the way that I've changed and, and, and different perspectives that I have on life, I re- I relate to Johnny more. And just this <laughs> idea that she, even though she loves him, she has to escape. Um, but then in escaping, she then recreates the same thing again. It's yeah, like yeah, she, yeah. She kind of is reaching for something else, but then finds out that it's still him. Yeah. The I don't know if that's a statement about, you know, the impossibility of escaping our own desires or the things that we think we want, or if it's just that it is literally impossible to escape that relationship for yeah, her. Yeah. And this is what happens. And and setting it in an era of surveillance where, you know, it's not what we have now, but it, it is this sense of constant suspicion and intimidation, right? The idea that no matter what she does, someone will find out or it'll get back to him, I suppose, is, mm-hmm. is and whichever him it is yeah. in, in her case, because she's playing both um, both poles, both, uh, both attractions. It's just such a, a strange, untethered place for an actor because... We don't know what she wants because she can't show it. She can't articulate it to herself, so she can't show the camera. She can't show the audience. And when you chose it, knowing your short films, I thought, oh, okay, I get that. The intensity is there. There's a, there's a continuity. And then I saw Violation after I knew you'd chosen Possession. And that completely recontextualized my <laughs> sense of why you'd chosen it. Because 
there is definitely an inexpressible aspect of what happens in violation where people can't communicate what they want or need to each other or are completely shut down when they try. And that builds to this this rage that kind of mirrors what's going on in possession, I think. Yeah, so, that's, so, that's really, really interesting that you, that you noticed that because it's absolutely true. But I think it's a bit of a, like, whoa, for me realizing that. Because I also love, have you ever seen The Left-Handed Woman? Uh, I don't believe I have. I know the title, but no, I don't think I have. Oh, it's this beautiful film about a woman who uh, just stops speaking to her husband and then she, she decides to leave him for, for an inexplicable reason. And she just stops speaking. Um, and she moves into this house on her own um, and is living there. And her husband's totally confused and he doesn't understand why. Um, and she doesn't even really know why. And there's, I think there are films that, that films like that I am really drawn to. And this, um, this idea of this trauma in your body and in your mind that you cannot express and no one can fully understand. And this is that. And violation is that, and it's. I'm. I haven't seen the left-handed woman, so I'm just going to guess. But I. I would assume that the ending has something to do with the character working her way back to herself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Through potentially unpleasant means, because the catharsis is. It, it's always required, right? That's how we need to tell the story as as storytellers, or as, as how we need to receive it as an audience. We can't just leave it alone. It has to. It has to peak. It has to have an answer. Um, possession absolutely does. Yeah. Although no one likes the answer in the film. It's yeah. it's it's a horrible downbeat ending. It's almost like it's a Cronenberg ending, um, right? He was he. You know, I think he made five films in a row where the protagonist dies at the end, mm-hmm. and it's just they're always. Sometimes they're triumphant, and sometimes they're just grim. But the the aspect. I guess I'm connecting it because of the aspects of body horror in in yeah. possession yeah. the sense that everyone's body is betraying them on some level people commit suicide or people disintegrate uh, psychically or, or almost physically literally um and that seems to be the only way the story can end mm-hmm. i did think about that i have to admit in the last couple of minutes of violation yeah. I, I, there's so much i would like to ask you about it but i don't want to Thing. I'm trying to figure out how to even write about it, but um, it's hard. I find it hard even to talk about it without because anything you say, really, you're revealing something that it's. It is. I feel one of those films where you just kind of want to go in not knowing anything, um, yeah, and just discover what happens. Because when you describe it without revealing anything, it just sounds very banal. It's like two mm-hmm. sisters have a strange relationship and they meet up and something happens. <laughs> yeah, you know, 25 minutes in, I was thinking okay, I, I think I know why this is in Midnight Madness. It's obviously going to explode, but like, will they sit still for it? Will they want it? And in a conventional year, they might not have. There might have been some restlessness, but it's a really like, it's a really interesting choice for people to watch at home alone this year. I'm, yeah. I'm kind of excited to see how that plays. I know, me too. I'm excited and scared. I mean, I think it's really, um, you have to get to know the characters before you see what happens to them. That's what's really, yeah. was really kind of important to us. And, and yes, it's going to take a patient viewer for sure. It's, it has the sense of like an inevitable nightmare, an inescapable... Uh, I could feel the resolution sort of barreling at them. Mm-hmm. There is a sort of 
resonance in in your film with possession and we won't get into it because i don't want to spoil it for anyone who might be listening but the resonance isn't just in the nature of the thematic material it's also in the performance you you have to be willing your your character does some things and responds in ways that are i would say comparable to the the range that a johnny shows and it's clearly unpleasant um so as a as a director as a writer and an actor how do you get there and and do you feel like you understand a johnny when you say now you're sort of more sympathetic to a johnny's character is that also to the performance and the the work that's required i think so and i think because um i always felt when i first watched possession i found her (laughs) to be so unlikable and i think it's because i i you're with Sam Neill and he's really kind of the protagonist and you're, um, you want him to, to sleuth out what she's doing and, and you feel like she's being so unfair to him. But I think seeing it from the other side and having to see, um, Miriam's character in violation, um, when we decided that I would play her, it was actually quite difficult to reconcile a lot of the things that she does. And I had to really, um, find because you know every antagonist is their own protagonist and she's right. she's kind of both um, <laughs> and yeah I think I really had to think deeply about how someone would get to that stage and it was the whole um, shoot was incredibly emotionally draining um, I don't think I think it was a real purge by the end of it I just came out of it in a total daze and was really depressed for a few weeks um because it was so i was just going through the emotional ringer and the physical ringer um the the stunts in the movie were really hard um yeah not prepared for how hard it was just because we wanted it to be so um so real feeling and so gross and messy and um and like uh, Eastern Promises, the the fight in the bathroom was a really big reference for us. Um, right. Just feeling um, not like movie fighting at all. Just like you're watching people actually scrabble around and fight. Um, yeah, it's a it's an unprofessional quality, right? Where people don't know what to do. They don't have the moves. They don't have yeah. the training. They're just flailing and doing their best to yeah. to land <laughs> to and land flailing, a blow. Flailing's really painful. I worked. <laughs> I, I was like bruised all over, but not not because it was dangerous in any way. Just because you know, like flailing flailing around, you you hurt yourself a bit. I'm sure, and it's not um, it's not something you can pretend to do, right? Yeah. You can't. You know, we know what that looks like as 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 longtime movie watchers. You know what a stunt person looks like, mm-hmm. and so this this film doesn't allow for that sort of thing. There's a there's an intimacy to the violence, and there's an intimacy to the just to the flailing, to the, to the, the panic is personal, right? I mean, there's a, there's, there's stuff going on that we need to see as an audience. We have to read that. Um, yeah, again, we're coming right up to the edge of of talking about it. Uh, but there are, uh, uh, kids, if you're listening, see violation, it's really good. And, uh, it's extreme. And, and in, in a, in a purgative way, in a good, in an emotionally exhausting way, that was for me watching it for 107 minutes. I can't imagine what it was, what it was like for you to actually live it. Yeah, it was, it was like, and, and, um, Jesse too. Oh my God. The bravery of that guy is just the things that he was 
that he put himself through, that we all put ourselves through. Like Anna and I as well, I, I think the toughest moment for us was in the lake. Um, we shot that right at the beginning of the oh, shoot. Okay. And it was, it, we were in Quebec and it was um, August. So we thought, oh, it's going to be lovely. It's going to be a hot day and we'll just be filming in this lake and it'll be so nice. It'll be like being at the beach. And it was bloody freezing. <laughs> it was literally like getting into an ice bath again and again and again and I think we shot that day for something like 15 hours um and the crew were all in wetsuits it's still really really cold um but Anna and I of course are in in bathing suits um and yeah we we went to a place at the beginning of the shoot where we became very close um just through the endurance of what we had to go through no kidding it is a bonding experience and I, I wonder uh, as well with uh, Johnny, she's never, ever taken a role like that since. And I wonder if that's part of it. I mean, it's, is it, is it something you'd ever consider doing again? Like this level of uh, commitment? I think I would, but I also think I'm a bit of a masochist when it comes to, <laughs> to performing. I really like to just throw myself into stuff and, and go all out. And, and I think I'm, in maybe in life I'm a bit more of a reserved person a bit more of a restrained person so there's something really really exciting for me to go even though it's really hellish in the moment it's kind of like a sigh of relief at the end where I've let myself go to somewhere where I'd never let myself go in in life yeah you're getting it out I mean it actually is purgative and I think the there's something in possession with the physicality of of the characters, of all the characters. Like even um, Ajani obviously has these crazy physical um, scenes, but even Sam Neill is, he has this weird, almost robotic physicality um, that obviously he came up with for the character. And then Heinrich is is, um, so unsung, but he's great. And his physicality is this new age, almost dancing capoeira type, movements which um seem so would seem so weird in any other film but work so beautifully in this and and doing something really really physical would be really fun i'd love to do that yeah it's true i'd forgotten about the presence of heinrich and he is the one person who seems to be trying to anticipate the camera almost to sort of move with the cinematographer like he's he's mirroring him somehow yeah and there's something about his uh like the the dance that he does in every scene where he's dancing around and he's got this really, it's almost so pretentious and annoying that it <laughs> really works for, cause he's, he's so hateable as well. And, and he reminded me of a lot of, uh, of stepdads I had when I was a kid. Okay. <laughs> you know, when as a kid, you just, any boyfriend that, that, your mum has you just hate and and Heinrich just encapsulated that for me like the the annoying weird boyfriend who likes something strange um yeah into I don't know dancing tango or something yeah he's he has a self-confidence that yeah he believes that what he's doing is cool yeah and his shirt's always open to his belly button (laughs) that's right (laughs) you're just waiting for someone to claw him open in in this sort of film that's that's probably where it's going to happen anyway um it is just so, it is such a strange film to to try to discuss rationally. I mean, you really, it, and maybe that's where the Lynch thing comes up in my mind too, because you just, if you don't give into it, if you don't let it win and state and, and set the terms of the story that you're watching, 
you'll fight it and it won't work. Yeah. It's, it's how I feel with Mulholland Drive. I can always see the stitching from where it was a CBS pilot and then, oh, we have to expand this into a feature because it's not going to go forward. So these characters are never going to come back, but eh, I'll leave the footage in because we need the running time. I'm doing that rather than surrendering to the narrative. And possession doesn't really offer you the opportunity to surrender. I mean, it's not a question of matching its tone. It just starts and goes and either you're with it or you're not. Yeah. And I've watched it with people too who are really not. And okay. It's not their thing. And it's really frustrating. So I'm like, no, you don't understand. You just have to let yourself be open to it and, and just kind of let yourself feel the emotion. And um, Because I know there are there are moments where it can feel really weird, like the scene where they meet in the restaurant and they're sit- not sitting at the same table. And, That's right. And it's, it almost is like, I don't know, a performance by some sort of avant-garde theatre company, but it's also filmic. It's not like, I'm, I really am not a fan of, of films that feel like theatre, and, and I don't think it does feel like theatre. It's just kind of a new way of approaching film that, that's really interesting. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a, it's a literal expression of their isolation from each other. It, it, it is smart, and also kind of opens the door to the interpretation of is this spycraft is this something that he has to do for his job and yeah. there's really no resolution it just that's just what they're doing right now and we are left to accept it mm-hmm. right it it doesn't matter if we can't keep up that's is this is how it's happening yeah i like movies that don't give you the chance to say no i, I mm-hmm. think there's something there's something to that and you know zaleski is a filmmaker he was constantly chasing this like the ecstatic madness of this film. It, it bubbles up in his other movies. It, they don't work it, as well. Because this no. is the first film I ever saw of his and I thought, oh my God, this is going to be my new favorite director. Um, he's going to replace Stanley Kubrick in my mind as the ultimate. And then I watched his other films. I was like, oh no. None of them reach the same perfection as Possession. It is its own thing. And maybe that's it. It was just like a shared infection that everyone had and then got over. None of them. (laughs) You know, Neil has sort of approached that sort of tone here and there. He's like in the mouth of madness. He goes big and he's in Event Horizon right after that. He's, he, he got out of it with the sort of reputation for genre stuff and, and Johnny kind of rejected it, I guess. Mm -hmm. And, uh, Jalofsky wasn't, interested in repeating himself so he went in a different direction but this feels like the petri dish this feels like the thing that you can just pull out of a freezer and look at 40 years later and say oh no no this is where it is it's still alive it's just you know wash your hands after you see it because you don't want to take it with you yeah there's something about it too i think maybe um i watched it right after but there was something um similar in the claire denis um cannibal film oh trouble every day yes yeah, yes, totally. yeah. As soon as you said that, I thought, oh, yeah, yeah. Because um, her performance, the woman in that, and I don't, I'm, I forget her name, but there's something really, really unrestrained about that performance, too, that I absolutely love. Oh, Beatrice Dahl. Yes. Yes, yeah. She's good for that. She will do that in pretty much anything. I think I've, I've seen a couple of films where she plays a reasonably grounded person, and it's the energy is wrong. Like, you're waiting for her to snap and yeah, do something. She, She's a scary woman. I would be <laughs> terrified to meet her in real life. She seems like someone who is just so, could just explode in any direction and you have no idea what she could do. Like she could bite your cat's head off and. <laughs> <laughs> but in a cordial way. But yeah, but beautiful to watch on screen. Yes. I think the first time I saw her would have been Betty Blue, I guess. 
around the same time I would have seen Possession, yeah. actually, just just because everything was on video then. Everything was coming out. Um, but, uh, yeah, her energy is, it's feral in a way that, yeah. that a Johnny sort of taps into as well. Yeah. There is no attempt to hide the energy, mm-hmm. the, 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 the pure force of whatever it is that's going on. Mm-hmm. She, yeah, no, she's, she's remarkable. And, and a, in contrast to, to everything else that Johnny does, right? Because she's such a composed performer. Yeah. Most of the time to see her tap into that mm-hmm. in this film is really destabilizing as an audience member. You just, why is she doing that? There's something wrong. It yeah. just, it reaches into you and, and I disquiets love, you. I love when a performer goes in a completely opposite direction from what they usually are and really in a way that works and shocks people because so often it doesn't work and you see yeah. the attempt to to break out of of what what they're used to what their wheelhouse is and you're like ooh, it's a bit cringe but um when it does work it's that's my favorite thing yeah it's really something um we've already sort of covered the the closing question on the podcast which is you know like what of the film that you've chosen has worked its way into your own work mm-hmm. um Certainly, possession feels like it's always there, the 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 energy, if not the tone, yeah, or maybe the tone, if not the energy. There's there are some echoes. There's some very clear echoes in violation, but also in in slap happy, and it's the tension, I think. Mm-hmm. And is that something that you've you've worked to refine into your own shape, or is it just a language that that resonates with you? Yeah, I think the idea of um, I mean, speaking like just purely as an actor in Slap Happy and in Violation, um, there's something about this single-mindedness. And uh, I have, I'm quite fine to say that I have really quite bad OCD in life as myself. And there's like this um, tunnel vision towards something, a thought, or uh, that you go round and round and round on and you just can't stop thinking about it. And I think that's worked its way into my work as an actor, but that thought is like part of the character and their emotion. And like with Miriam having this, um, this one thought that she has to purge um, in order to move on with her life. And she believes so much that, that uh, purging this thing will set her free. It's all she can think about. And, and I think that's something that, or I know as someone with OCD that that's, something that I'll have, get stuck on these thoughts. And I think, I'll think if I just straighten the rug one more time, then everything will be okay. And of course it's not. Um, but yeah, I definitely think that's that idea is part of me and has just seeped into my work as well. Yeah. The, the need to control, uh, versus the understanding that you probably can't, I mean, and you're, you know, you're, we're doing this on zoom and you can see behind me all the alphabetized Blu-rays, I, I, I get what you're saying. <laughs> but there's also from. something really unrestrained in the, because there's these obsessions and compulsions and there's something unrestrained in the completing of the task. So like there's the, there's a weird um, combination of being controlled and then just giving in to your impulses and to what you think you need, which I find really interesting. Yeah. So when you complete a task, do you actually feel satisfaction? No. Yeah, me neither. I, I just I can immediately see another thing I have to do. Yeah. <sighs> I feel like we've connected. <laughs> but you never, you know, you never learn. You never yeah. learn. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's 
that's the thing of it. That's the condition. You just, it won't let you. No, But eventually you do end up with a really nicely straightened bookshelf. It's true. Or a very perfect rug. My thanks to Madeline Sims-Fewer, whose harrowing first feature, Violation, has its world premiere this Monday, September 14th, at the Toronto International Film Festival, with shows at 9 and 9.30 p.m. at the Tiff Bell Lightbox. It'll also be available to stream across Canada at 6 p.m. Thursday, September 17th on Bell Digital Cinema. Thanks also to Ingrid Hamilton. She knows what she did. Madeline's not on Twitter, but you can keep track of Violation at TIFF's Midnight Madness account, which is mmadnesstiff, all one word, and you can find Possession on Blu-ray and DVD from Mondo Vision in the US and Second Sight in the UK. As always, you can find me on Twitter at Norm Wilner and elsewhere on the internet at NowToronto.com, where I host a bunch of podcasts these days in addition to writing about film and television. Go take a look and check out our TIFF coverage while you're there. You can find this podcast on Twitter at SEMCAST, S-E-M-CAST, and on the web at someoneelsesmovie.com. Our theme song is by the last year. If you like it, or the show in general, say so. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or wherever you've been enjoying us. Every little bit helps, it truly does. We'll be back Tuesday with one more TIFF episode. Until then, check out the other shows on the Frequency Podcast Network. Enjoy yourself. Stay inside, watch movies, wear a mask if you go out. I'll see you next time.